0: Uh, you know, as I was preparing for this, I was uh, thinking about uh, movies. I'm a movie fan. Does anybody in here like movies? You, you are a movie buff? Good. There's a few of us here. Uh, during quarantine, Netflix has been our jam, right? Thank goodness for Netflix. Uh, we've watched a lot of movies. Uh, I just love a really good movie, an action-filled movie with good plot and good storyline. And, and have you ever really noticed or have you ever wondered why there isn't really any good movies on the end of the world? Like, honestly, like, when you think about movies that are the end-of-the-world movies, they're all just really cheesy, really silly movies with kind of man-made ideals and all of these things, and, and it's just really cheesy movies. I, I think of things like Independence Day, uh, you know, the day after tomorrow, the day the earth stood still, Armageddon. Uh, I was Googling, like, end-of-the-world movies, and you're never going to believe what came up. It was Godzilla. Godzilla, like people think that Godzilla is what ushers in the end of the world, and if you are someone in here who likes Godzilla, we will pray for you, we'll be praying for you, Uh, but the truth is, is Hollywood gives us all of these ideas of what might happen at the end of the world, and you know, they're just those, they're just ideas, and you see, what we have, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we really have a good indication of what is to come. Uh, at the end of the world. And when we look in the book of Revelation, it gives us really good detail of what might take place, of what will lead up until the end of times. And it isn't like many of the um, Hollywood movie scenes on the end of the world where there's a hero and there's mass chaos. Really what it is is there's going to be a final judgment and a final defeat of all sin and all evil. And we are going to see Jesus victorious over all of those things, And so today what we're going to do is we're going to get a little glimpse into what is going to take place. You see, the Bible says uh, all throughout the book of Revelation, John gets a glimpse into heaven. You know, there's a door that opens here and a window that opens here. And, and we really aren't going to see the full picture of heaven until Revelation chapter 19. But what we're going to see today uh, is we're going to see some of the things that are going to take place in the end So I would say buckle up and let's pray. God, I ask that your words would be alive today, that as we dig into your scripture, that we would push aside our ideals, our thoughts, maybe some of the preconceived notions that we've had or some of the things that we hold on to, the belief systems. And God, that we would just see you in scripture that we would see Jesus elevated, and as we see uh, what's going to happen, that we wouldn't be afraid, but God, instead, it would point us to a relationship with Jesus. And we, we love you, and we ask again that you would open up your, your word to our hearts and our minds. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be uh, hanging out in uh, really kind of three chapters, Genesis, or, uh, sorry Revelation chapter 6 through 8. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn there. And as you're turning there, let's, let's give you a little bit of a recap of where we are in the story. If you were here with us last week, uh, or maybe you weren't here with us, this will be a, a good little recap for you. Uh, we find ourselves, uh, John is in the presence of the throne room of God. And so Jesus, in a vision, he calls John into the throne room of God, and what we see there is the very presence of God, and in the midst of his presence are angels upon angels worshiping God. What they're doing is they're crying out, holy, 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 all-powerful, almighty, and what they're doing is, is they're bringing attention and elevating God. And in the midst of John getting a glimpse into the presence of God, he sees in God's hand a scroll. And on that scroll, he sees seven seals. It's really sealed. And what we've come to know about the scroll is that it's going to give us a little bit about what's to come in the end of days. And so as John is in the presence of God, he notices this scroll, and the Bible tells us that he was saddened that he was uh, really saddened because uh, he didn't know if anyone could open the scroll. And as you, if you remember the story, the angel comes and says, John, there is indeed one who is worthy to open the scroll. And that was the picture, the unveiling of Jesus. And so here we are, now we're going to open up the scroll, and we're going to see that every time Jesus breaks a seal, events happen. Things happen, and we're going to see those things today. And so here we are, and we're gonna uh, start with this and, and and let's preface this with uh, I hope that this isn't uh, us looking at scripture and, and trying to predict you know the end of the world there have been many people who have uh, said that this is going to be the day and the time and and, and we're still here right so don't come in hopefully with uh, these ideas or thoughts we're not going to predict the end of the world we're not going to uh, give you know information or see you know the Bible says Jesus very clearly says that no man knows the time nor the hour but what we want to do is we want to, to allow this, to allow the events in Revelation 6 through chapter 8 really uh, challenge us to live as a people of faith in the midst of a, a crazy, difficult world. So we're going to jump in today, and the first thing that we're going to see is this. The first four sills set into motion the beginning of the end of history. So remember, when we read in the book of Revelation, we see a picture of many interesting characters and, and ideas, but it's important that we don't get lost in the symbolism. If you remember, we've been talking about a few lenses that we want to view Scripture in, specifically in Revelation, right? There is the uh, the lens of the people in the current time. There is the universal lens, how it applies to us. There's a future lens that we can look through. And so when we dig into here, uh, we want to really pull out Jesus in the Scripture. And so with that in mind... In Revelation chapter 6, we see these four different beings, these four horsemen, and they're riders that come in, and as they come in, they bring something with them. And really, the the things that they bring in, the forces that they bring in, are viewed as righteous judgments of God. It's the righteous judgment of God. And so we're going to read in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. We're going to see the first horseman. And it says this, John says, As I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. And he rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. So what we see here in the very first picture uh, is this, this rider on a, a white horse who's carrying a bow and, and he's focused on conquest. He's focused on power. And again, this first rider among all of the riders, this area in scripture, specifically in Revelation chapter six, is open for a lot of interpretation. There are a lot of people who have different ideals specifically on what these represent and what they mean because of the symbolism. Uh, some would say that this white horse, this, the first rider is uh, depicted as Christ Because it's white, and white is a picture of authority, and there's power, and there's conquest. Uh, But many scholars would say that this is kind of a picture of, of an antichrist. So it's something that's the illusion of power, the illusion of control, the illusion of conquest. And so at first glance, when we see this, we think, okay, what's going to happen Well, really, it gives us this picture of what's going to happen in the next three to come. So if you think of military and power and conquest and war and all of these things, we're going to see the highlight of the illusion of control. And so as when we read on, and we challenge you to read, we're not going to read every verse through chapter 6 through 8. We've encouraged everyone to read along with us, so we hope that you're doing that. But what we'll see... In verses 3 and 4, we're going to see a second seal that's opened. And as that seal is opened, it's a rider on a red horse. And so this rider is coming in, and he's given, uh, the Bible says, a, a, a sword. And so he's coming in with power, and basically it's taking away peace. And so the picture of this is that of civil war. And so if you would remember, uh, as we look at it from the first century lens, those who would be reading this, who John was writing to, they experienced in one year, in, after death uh, 68 uh, to 69, there were four different emperors who took conquest. And the result of that was bloodshed and anarchy and war and death. And so what we're seeing is in military and in power, the illusion of control, we're seeing the destruction that comes with it. In verses 5 and 6, the third seal is opened and we see a black horse. And what this black horse or the black rider has is a scale in his hands. And the scale represents a great famine that's going to come. It talks about uh, some of the things that are vital will be scarce. And some of the things that aren't really necessary, things like oil and wine, are going to be plentiful. So in one, uh, one hand, you have the, the things that are important like bread and things that you need to eat. Those are scarce scarce and the prices are elevated and so there's going to be the idea of great famine and desperation and need I mean I I think about this in in, with the whole COVID thing you remember early on when you could go into the 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 uh, grocery store and you could get everything you wanted but you couldn't get toilet paper right like there are going to be things that are available but they're not going to be necessary and the things that are going to be needed are going to be gone they're going to be scarce. And so, the picture, the symbolism that we have is there's going to be great famine and great need. And so, we have war and military and famine and need. And then, the, the last horse that we see uh, is the, the horse in verse seven and eight uh, the four sillas open, and a pale horse, a green, pale horse, comes in. And what happens? His rider is death. <laughs> And he, the Bible says that the, the kill, he'll kill with his sword, with famine, with plague, and wild beasts. It says that one-fourth of the earth is killed. Now, again, we don't need to dig really deeply into all of the, the, the symbolism and all of those things. What we need to do is to get a picture of what's being communicated here. And the imagery that's being communicated is to grab our attention. And the way it grabs our attention, it says that there is going to be a lot of death <laughs> A lot of serious war and death and, and famine. It's going to be very difficult. Now, when I think about this in what's happening in our world, we have a lot of this going on now, don't we? I mean, we have a lot of things when we think of war. War is happening today. There's civil wars that are happening in the world. You know, when we think of famine and need, there are places where people are in desperate need. There are so many things that are going on. And, and when you think, well, is this God's judgment? Is is this God's time? Is the time near? Well, I would say emphatically, yes. Yes, we are in those times. And so the question is, is what do we do with this information? Are we afraid or are we prepared? Jesus, uh, you know, when we think about these things, I and mean, that's really heavy. But Jesus taught about some of these things when he was walking the earth, and, and he said this in Luke chapter twenty-one. He said, "And when you hear, and when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately." And see, you know, there's this idea of fear is at the end of the world. When's it going to come? Well, in reality, again, the Bible, Jesus himself said, no one knows the time. And so what are we doing in the midst of all of the difficult situations to prepare ourselves for what is to come? We're going to see these things. Jesus said we're going to see war and civil war and famine and death. And, and this is the, 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 the universal lens that we live in. We see some of these things. But it's not the end, And so the picture what we get here in the first four seals and the symbolism of the the horseman is a great uh, picture of God's righteous judgment. In, In reality, we see a little bit of our human activity, right? If we think about it from the very beginning in Genesis, when God created everything, he created it perfectly, didn't he? In Genesis 1 and 2, he created all things perfect, and when he did that, he gave that perfection over to man, Right? And when we did that, he said, you can do anything you want. You can govern the land. Everything's perfect. No sin, no destruction, no shame, nothing. But please, do not eat of this one thing. And what, what did we do? We decided to go against God's way, and we did our own thing. And because of that, the result of that is sin. And because of sin, we have evil, injustice, war, famine, all of these things. And so what we're going to see is eventually when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back as a mighty king. And in in three weeks, we're going to be talking about that in Revelation chapter 19 if you want a sneak peek. And he's going to come and he's going to defeat all these things. And he's going to make things new. He's going to perfect them again. And his judgment will be against all sin and all evil. And the question is, will will we be prepared? Not stocked up prepared. Not, you know, having everything in order. Is our faith prepared? Have we put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins? You see, the Bible says that that sin that entered the world, there's a chasm. It separates us from God. And the only way that we can be made right with God again is to accept the sacrifice that he gave. And that's his son, Jesus Christ. And you see, he came and he lived a life that we couldn't live without sin. And he went to the cross, and he died as the ultimate sacrifice. He was the lamb who was slaughtered, the lamb who was given. And because of his blood and his righteousness, we can be made new and in relationship with God. And when he righteously judges, because Jesus died for us, we are credited his righteousness so that we can be made right in God's eyes again. And so the question is, is not that you have all of your ducks in a row. The question is, is if you put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins... Because if not, you will experience the righteous judgment of God. <laughs> you're thinking, this is a lot. You're right. So we're going to move on. And you're thinking, okay, thank God that's over, right? Well, not, not, not quite. We're going to get into the, the fifth seal now. And that leads us to our, our second point. The fifth seal reveals something to us. It reveals the martyrs who remain faithful in spite of the persecution. Now, Again, remember from the first century lens, if we look at who John was writing to, they experienced great persecution for, for their faith. They were ostracized, they were pushed away, they were uh, excluded. And a lot of people, because of their faith, they were killed, they were murdered. And you see, what, what we see here is uh, these were called martyrs. And in, in history, and even today, and even in the future, we're going to see more people who will give their lives Their lives will be taken because of their faith. And so they are the focus now of the fifth seal. And we read about it in uh, verse 9 and 10. It says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony says, they shouted to the Lord and said, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? And so what John sees is those who have given their life, and what they want is justice. I mean, can anybody, can I get an amen? Like when we, when we people are doing wrong to us, we want justice, right? When someone says something bad about us, we want justice, Right, All of those who have hurt me, I want justice, right? The Patriots stealing the Super Bowl from the Atlanta Falcons, I want justice, right? Can I get an amen? Let's hate the Patriots. Let's pray for the Patriots. But seriously, what we see here is something uh, very, very serious. These people were killed for what they believe. Listen, I I love football and I love the Falcons. I'm not going to die for a team. (laughs) But they gave their life for their faith. You see, there are many men and women who, who gave their life. There will continue to be many more men and women. You see, we live in an area where we have social, I mean, we have freedom. We have freedom of choice. We have freedom of speech. We can be here today, and we can worship God. There are people in this room, or in this world, that if they were to come into this room and where they live, they could be killed for their faith. I mean, that's much different than what we experience, Right? The Bible says that there will be great focus for them, and it will not be in vain. You see, they're looking for justification from God himself, and they're going to get it. In fact, we read about that in in verse 11. It says, then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. You see that there's this picture of this white robe that they're going to receive It's a picture of blessedness and purity and everything that they experienced. They're going to be in the presence of the Almighty God. And he's going to say to them, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did not die in vain. And I am going to righteously deal with sin and evil for all time. And you will celebrate with me in paradise. That's going to be in week seven. So here's the good news. This is a sign that no matter what persecution we face in life, One day, we'll be vindicated by God. When when you're persecuted for your faith, it may be hard and difficult in the time, but God will bless you. Young person in this room, at school, if you stand up for what's right, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard now, but God will bless you. God will honor that. At work, when we do the right thing, when everyone else is not doing the right thing, when we do the right thing, it's going to be difficult in the moment, but God will vindicate that. Losing relationships because you stand up for what is right, you stand up for what is true, even though it's difficult in loss and pain and maybe being ostracized, God will vindicate you and you will be rewarded one day. You know, we we don't think about you know, this is the idea of, well, I'm not losing my faith the Lord, but a lot of us experience a lot of difficult things because of our faith. The Bible says it's super easy to go away from God, but in reality, that's going to lead us into a path of death and destruction. You know, there's a, a, a one, of my, one of my best friends is, is uh, he's married to a, a, young, a young gal who was a part of the Columbine shooting many, many years ago. And you, you know the story, it was a, another school shooting, and as these Uh, school shooters were going around, they made their way up into the library, and and they were going, and they were asking people if they believed in God. And and one by one, uh, a few of them said no, and they let them go, and they came up to uh, one of my friend's wife's uh, best friends. Her name was Cassie Burnell, and and he put a gun right to her head and said, Cassie, do you believe in God? I don't don't know how it went down, and she said yes, and he killed her. I mean, I, I think of I step back and I think, well, what would I have done in that moment? (laughs) Maybe a little white lie? Ask for forgiveness after? I mean, I I don't know. But you see, the, the truth is, is that there are going to be things that will happen in our life where we have to make a stand. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to make a stand for him. And when you do, it's not in vain. You will be blessed. And if you don't, the sad reality is, is that if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll spend an eternity separated from him in a place called hell, which is not pleasant. <laughs> Let's look at the sixth seal. The sixth seal signals the inescapable wrath of God. It's, it's getting deeper. <laughs> so the, the, what we see now in the sixth seal is the wrath of God on display. Now, we, we, we're... we're We think of when you hear the wrath of God, that's opposite of God, right? We know that God is love. And so how could a God of love and a God of peace and a God of all these things also be a God of wrath? Well, it's very simple. You see, there's evil, and that is against God. And God is all-powerful. He's almighty. And so when evil and injustice happen, God will deal with that in great wrath and in great vengeance, he's not a negative thing. It's not God punishing people. It's not God pointing fingers and saying, well, you did this, so I'm going to, to harm you. What it's saying is, is that God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a true God. And he has to deal with evil once and for all. You see, that's going to be the judgment of God. You know, the, the sad thing is I think that many of us may know, and it may be you in this room today, that, that we're just kind of living day by day. Moment by moment, we're kind of taking things as they come, you know, or we're, we're striving for success or for money or, or for position or whatever it might be. And, and, and we're, we're just kind of living life, eat, drink, and be merry, but we don't really think about what's to come, the end of the world. You know, and when we read about it, there is going to be a great day of reckoning. In fact, it's called the, the day of the Lord, and, and we read about it all throughout the Old Testament, you know god or, there are prophets who talk about it this day of the lord that's going to come where god is going to have to deal with injustice with sin and with difficulty let's take a look and, and see in verse 12 in six, 12 through 16 it says i watched as a lamb broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake the sun became as dark as black cloth and the moon became as red as blood again these are I- imageries of destruction <laughs> and we read in in verse 15 it says then everyone everyone the kings of the earth the rulers the generals the wealthy the powerful and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains it goes on to say in verse 16 they cried to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb.'" You see, there's a clear picture here that for those who, who haven't put their faith in Jesus, there's going to be a day of destruction, and it's very fearful. It's very scary. In fact, we, we read about this exactly in, uh, it's prophesied in Isaiah. It says, Crawl into the caves and the rocks, hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. Human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. You see, Again, this isn't to scare us. This is to speak the truth and point us to our need in Jesus. I mean, I remember when I was a young kid, they had this thing called Vacation Bible School. And, and uh, this Vacation Bible School that I went to, they were teaching about Revelation. Now, you're thinking, like I'm thinking, why would you teach a 10-year-old about the end of the world? I have no, no idea. But they did, and it scarred me for life. Literally, it i was scared. I think I, I, I accepted Jesus Christ like every day for a two-year, like a two-year period. Like I asked him in my heart. And I just want to make sure, so I did it again. I just wanted to continue to do this. Like, and uh, you know, we lived—I lived in Roy, and I lived kind of right by the train tracks. You know, as you read, like in, when you read in chapter eight, it talks about trumpets and earthquakes and all of these things. And this train used to come by, and I'd hear that the horns. And I'd feel the house shaking, and I thought it was the end of the world, like, every time a train came by. And my mom had to tell me, like, this isn't the end of the world, you know? Like, and even today when I see a train, I'm like, oh my gosh, is he, is he coming? Like, what's going on? But you see, again, this, this isn't for us to be afraid or fearful. This is for us to understand that, that God, being loving and caring, has to deal with evil, and, and the decision that, that we made as people, when God gave us everything perfected, and when we decide to go against God's plan and we, invo- we entered, in, entered sin, that was a decision we made. And you see, even in the midst of that, God could have righteously dealt and judged people right then and there for all time. But God loved us so much that even in Genesis chapter 3, immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, immediately after they went against God's way, what did he do? He made a way for them to be renewed and restored through Son Jesus Christ. God loved us so much that even in the midst of us going our own way, he had a plan for us to be restored. And you see, what that should do is that should say, man, God, you love me so much that you're doing, willing to do whatever it takes to get my attention. And my hope is, is that you, your attention would be gotten. Because listen, there it will be a time when God will come after us. And that, that leads Uh, That's the end. The end times will test the quality of each person's faith. Look, in each generation, our faith will be tested. The result of sin is going to be tested. There's going to be trial and conflicts and war and famine and all of these things. And there may be personal persecution. I mean, er, I'm pretty sure everyone in this room has been touched by some type of persecution. I I mean, my wife and I, we've experienced crazy things. My wife had depression. Many of you know the story. For, For three to four to five years... Very, very difficult time. Thinking, God, where are you in the midst of this? Well, that's the result of sin, not God. You know, I, I think of a, a, my little brother who passed away almost two years ago from a heroin overdose. A drug addiction. That's the result of Sin. You see, those are, those are things that, that, that have come into this world because of sin. And one day, God is going to remove the results of that sin. And he's going to make new, a new heaven, a new earth. It's going to be exactly what it was supposed to be. And the only way we can experience that is if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this in, in Revelation 6, 17. It says, the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? Who will be able to survive God's wrath? We'll read about it in verse nine and t- chapter 7, 9 and 10. After I saw this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And it says, and they were shouting with a great roar. Listen, salvation comes from our God, Who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. (laughs) Nothing that we will ever do will be enough. It's all about what Jesus did. And the only way that we can be made right in His eyes, the only way that we can be saved, is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We read in verse 14 these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. You see, we're stained with sin. And when we experience the precious blood of Christ that was shed for us, we are made new. And one day, we'll be in the presence of God for eternity. The question is, is what what will you do? Will you accept the salvation that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone? Or will you decide to go your own way, which is the epitome of sin? So what do we take away? Last, Last thing, Luke 21, 36. This is Jesus again speaking. He says, keep alert at all times. We should be aware of what's going on in our life, in our world, in all things. It says, and pray, connect with God, that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. It's going to be difficult. It's already difficult. It says, and, and stand before the Son of Man. I mean, here's the truth. Our faith will be tested here, but one day, and we're going to read about this in Revelation 20, the truth is this, is that God will judge all of those who haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he's going to open up what the Bible says is called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity in the presence of God. And if you do not, the Bible says that your name will not be in that book and you will be separated from God for eternity. What you do today with the decision on if you will live for God or live on your own way determines what will happen with your eternity. My hope is that we could share with you that God loves you so much that he would do anything to be in relationship with you both now that will impact your eternity, and that's because of his son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. It's challenging. It's hard. God, I thank you that we're a church that digs into your word and that stands firm in its truth, that we don't bring our own ideals and thoughts, but we speak what your, what your word speaks to us. This gives us a great picture, God of difficulty and trial and persecution and horror and war and calamity. But God, the ultimate picture that we get is that you love us so much that you would give your son for us to overcome the persecution that we face today and one day God will be able to spend eternity in your presence. Please do not let anybody in this room, God, leave without experiencing the pull of the power of your Holy Spirit. If they have not made the decision to make you the Lord of their life. God, would you speak to their heart? Would you challenge them to speak to us, to one of us today? In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.